Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris, fellow souls on social media. Welcome back to Soul Over 50 podcast on Soul Organized Style. Stay listening. Soul Organized Style podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining us again on So Over 50 podcast as we focus on visible mending as part of hashtag Mend March. So Over 50 intersects with all communities. Now in the previous episode, you heard the wonderful Kate Sekulis and hashtag Mend March. Today, we're going to talk to a Sober 50 follower who also is very invested in mending. Robin or Four Patch Textiles on Instagram is a maker of bespoke clothing, bags, and occasionally quilts. She's a big supporter of visible mending, including Mending Mayhem and the Sober 50 community. Thanks for being today's Sober 50 guest, Robin. Hello, Maria. Hello, Robin. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Very happy to see you. That's what I am. Happy to see you too. I'm very excited. I've been admiring your work for a very long time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I think it's really lovely that, you know, we live in two different countries and we can just talk like old friends. As long as we have the time zones correct. (laughs) Very, very true. Yeah. For Patch Textiles, how did you develop your online name? Oh, I came up with that under a bit of pressure. When I retired as an engineer from being an engineer, I wanted to develop a brand for the sewing that I was doing. I was doing a little bit of custom garment making and that. And I also wanted to learn more about how to use social media and how to create a website. And I had these grand dreams that I would write a regular blog as well, but that's a bit sporadic. And at the time I was using a different name. I think it was One Stitch or something like that. But when I went up to set up a Facebook page for it, it was already taken. And every Google search I went, it was already taken. Someone was already using that. So I was in a bit of a pinch because I had promised some items to a charity that was looking for a fundraiser. And they had offered to post and link my website page. And I thought, oh, no, I really now got to figure out a name and I got to get a website created. So I'm a sewist who once in a while quilts. And sitting on my cutting table was a pile of these little tiny four patch scrap squares. And I thought, that's it, four patch textiles. And right away, I set up a Facebook page and a website and even an Etsy shop. I wasn't using Instagram yet. So that was in 2017. Yeah. And in 2018, I thought, well, I'm just going to stick with Facebook because I know how to use it and I don't understand this Instagram thing. So we have this joke around here that uh, this little sock monkeys that I make that you see on my grid all the time, yeah. that they stole my phone and opened up the Instagram account themselves and started posting pictures of themselves. And so now you see the sock monkeys pretty much are in all the posts I have. And we have this running story in the Instagram community that the sock monkeys are the ones that are doing all the work in the four patch textile studio. <laughs> They're very busy, those sock monkeys. They're busy and they're very good. And other Instagram people in the at so over 50 community, like Wendy and, and Morag, they've picked it up as well and have their own sock monkeys that help in the studio too. It's a growing community. Yeah, it's quite a lot of fun. And we, so that four patch textiles is just stuck. And, you know, once you use it, you can't change it. <laughs> you got to stick with it. 
you're a sewer. So what made you start sewing? How did you learn? I've been sewing and making. It's always been part of my life since I was little. I saw my parents and my grandparents sew and make and make things. And they, they needed to make things out of necessity because we needed things. Um, but then they also really appreciated the arts and crafts of it. My mom is an excellent sewist and she sewed for us all the time. So it was just natural that myself and my sisters learned how to sew. I have this really fun childhood memory. I must have been about five. And my mom had made me a little Western cowgirl style vest and skirt and I was wearing it all the time. And I thought some of my toys needed some clothes like that as well. So I took all the fabric scraps and was cutting them out and making clothes for the toys. Because I didn't know how to sew, I had to stick them together and close the seams with a stapler like you would use for oh, paper. Yeah. Yeah. And also with tape, like cello tape or scotch tape. Well, it must have been okay because my mom decided right then that I was ready to learn how to sew. And she started me right on the machine. So just like my older sisters, I started sewing on lined paper without any threads so I could learn how to sew a straight line. And then I got to sew on plain paper and keep sewing those straight lines and then move on to fabric with thread. And then right after that, next thing was paper patterns and measuring and cutting and moving on to sewing simple garments. So my mom was great in teaching me all of the basics and, and at a really young age as well. And my mom, she gave me the best tools for sewing. And they weren't physical things, they were, they were lessons. And they were how to use and take care of the sewing machine. And she taught me how to sew a really good seam. And she taught me how to read a commercial pattern and how to finish a garment really well. And most importantly, she taught me how to always want to learn how to do new things and learn something new. So that's really important and it's stuck with me all this time. Right after that, I was really fortunate that we still had sewing classes as electives in high school. And we started sewing when we were in grade eight or it was about 13. And I had sewing classes right continuing through till I was 18 and in grade 12 and graduated. We got to learn stretch sewing and classes in pattern making and tailoring and design. And I think I was learning pattern cutting before I even knew that it was called pattern cutting. That was really the basics of how I learned how to sew. And now we get to learn how to sew from people all over the world because we've got Instagram and podcasts and YouTube and blogs. And everyone in the communities in Mending Mayhem and in So Over 50, we have the best sources of information and knowledge and we have so much fun. So I really think that those individual connections that we get to make and learn from in the communities, aren't they, they're just like the international pen pals we used to have when we were young and letter writing was a thing. So I really appreciate all of the input that I get and all of the things that I get to see. And thankfully, unlike pen pals, you get to talk to your international friends in real time. So that's something that we couldn't have done when we were younger. It's true. It's true. So we don't, we don't have to wait for the snail mail, but sometimes I find that the time zone that I'm in here in Western Canada, I'm a little bit quite a bit lagging behind everybody. So I often mm. have to catch up, but some things I get to take advantage of it. Like just recently the, in the Mending Mayhem bingo, I got, <laughs> I got to catch a quick glimpse of it at the very beginning before anybody else in, in Europe or in Australia. You made the best of the time zones. I did. I got accused of cheating a little bit, but that was fun. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that. 
all in good fun. It's it's all in good fun. Yeah. So what's your current sewing or craft focus at the moment? I have to think about this one a little bit because I really, I like to dabble and just, you know, puts around making things as I need them. But yep. I think as I learn more about what's going on in the textile industry, I have to say that slow fashion and a good fit are my two main things to focus on. Yep. So let's start with slow fashion. Slow fashion can mean a lot of things. And I find that the easiest way to describe it is that it's just things that are not fast fashion. And everybody in the sewing community understands what fast fashion is. I love fabric and I love to sew. I love textiles of all kinds. It's the textiles that are fascinating to me. It's the fiber content, the hand and the drape, and even more so how a particular textile was made. But the more I learn about how textiles are made and where some of our donated clothing ends up, the less I want to sew. And that's not good because I love to sew. And myself and my partner, who I call the Mr. on Instagram, yeah, we need clothes. We need clothing, right? And also, I have been diligently sewing since I retired, but I still have a pretty large stash. So I got to work my way through. So I really can't stop sewing. It's also not clear in slow fashion as I'm trying to make choices of what the best fiber is. I can choose natural fibers like linen or cotton. And if I choose them, I try not to think about how much water or how much effort it takes to make a yard of linen or cotton. And I try not to think about the chemicals that are in the dyes or the inks that are used to print fabric. And at the same time, I, I want to not choose polyester, but darn it, you know, if I choose polyester, I know that that t-shirt that I made five years ago and have worn to the gym every week is still going to be good to wear to the gym for another 10 years. So I've got this long lasting garment that's not going to go in the waste. I don't know what the choices are for slow fashion. I really don't know what the right or the best choices are, but at least I can be mindful in what I sew. Yes. Yeah. And by that, I mean, you know, when I want to make one of these cute little sock monkeys, like this pink one that I'm holding up, that you can find them all over my grid. Instead of purchasing a really cute pair of fast fashion socks that don't cost more than a couple of dollars, like these really cute turquoise ones with the white hearts on them that I'm holding up right now, instead of making a sock monkey out of something like that, I got to figure out a way to make a sock monkey out of a, the leftover pink jersey that is what's left of and the scraps that are left from those pajama bottoms that I had on my grid. That's what I have to try to do. So it's not stopping making sock monkeys. It's try to find out how to make them with a better raw material or feed source, as they call it in the industry. Slow fashion also means defining my style. After I retired, I seem to have lost my style. I spent a lot of time in athletic wear and blue jeans and not pretty tops. And I have a closet full of those and fabric to make all of those. But I got to define my style now that I'm in, in retirement. And if I can define my style, I can really learn how to make garments that are going to last me a long time and that I'm going to wear a lot. And that's really important because I think it's fewer garments that I'm going to wear a long time rather than more garments. 
And along with that means a good fit. Some people might have seen in my, in my grid in November that I made a toile or a muslin for a pair of blue jeans. I haven't made a pair of trousers or blue jeans for about a decade. And honestly, I was surprised to find out how much my shape had changed. I'm pretty sure I still weigh the same as I did 10 years ago and my waist measurement is the same as it was 10 years ago, but oh my gosh, my bum has changed shape. And that was a surprise, so much so that I wrote a little poem called Ode to My Bum on my, on my posted it on my Instagram. <laughs> so honestly, a well-fitting pair of trousers or jeans is my focus for 2022. I'm losing the battle with gravity as well with my backside. <laughs> Isn't it strange? All you need to do is put a pair of blue jeans pockets on a muslin that are black fabric with pink stitching and horizontal lines and see how your cheeks are no longer aligned. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. We'll work it out, right? We'll work it out. <laughs> Robin, is visible mending important to you now? Yes. I, I think that the whole practice of mending, whether it's visible or hidden, is important to me. My mom taught us all to mend, even with hidden stitches and also using really bright patches. And that was before visible mending was a popular thing. Yeah. And we also learned that alterations and upcycling and repurposing and saving fabric and buttons and zippers and closures from any kind of clothing that's met its end of life, it's all just practical. I have a big collection of buttons and zippers, and I always have one on hand when one needs replacing. And I think even mending can be lended to even the most, the lowest cost garments. They're all worthwhile to fix. We have a textile economy that's not circular. It might be in the future, but it's not circular right now. Everything that we wear or use is going to go to waste at some point. What we have to do is postpone throwing out a garment for as long as we can. I really enjoy both visible and invisible mending. It's a little bit like a puzzle that you solve to make a garment or an item better than what it was before it was damaged. And it is a puzzle and a lot of people are getting so much joy out of that right now. It's so fun to watch what everybody else is doing and, and see how creative they are in solving a mending challenge. It's really fun. It is. I agree. Yeah. How do you support Mending Mayhem? Well, Mending Mayhem, it, it started really with Mending Mayhem supporting me. Oh. Somehow Mending Mayhem saw and liked what I was doing and they invited me to do a guest post. It was just over a year ago that had happened. And I've been following Mending Mayhem and having fun with it ever since. To in turn then support Mending Mayhem, it's really easy. I share my mends, I follow and use the hashtag, and I celebrate what others are doing by liking and commenting on their posts. I think the best thing is, is you can ask someone a question about what they're doing and that gets the conversation going, it makes for great fun. I really like to see what other people are doing and I like to use what they're doing from some of my mending. You know, I don't think I would ever have thought to start mending socks if I hadn't seen how much fun it's, it looked like on Mending Mayhem. 
And it's not just how they're mending socks, but how they show the mended socks on Instagram that's just as much fun. Well, yes, with, with Wendy Bendy, <laughs> Bendy Wendy, <laughs> over and, and Katrine doing that as well. And it's just, and we started saying that, you know, mended socks with bright, colorful yarn is just like a little bit of secret fun in your shoes. And thankfully, they're showing us how that can be fun and how they can wear it in a fun way. Gotta have a good humor with it all, right? You gotta, you just gotta not take it too seriously. Exactly. How long have you been part of the Sew Over 50 community? Well, I knew you were going to ask me that question, so I had to do some homework and go back in my grid and find out. Good thing I don't have a lot of posts, so I, I could figure it out quite easily. I think I really started using the hashtag Sew Over 50 before I understood that there was an actual community behind it. One of the first times I started using it and started using it regularly was really not that long ago. It was in November of 2019. At the time, I was still trying to figure out how Instagram worked. Didn't really understand it. And I stumbled upon it somehow. I had found Trisha at Morris Sews and Wendy at Wendy 7. And I thought to myself, hey, they, they're just a lot like me. And I saw that they're using the hashtag. So I thought, well, I'm going to use that hashtag too. When I figured out that you could in turn then follow the hashtag, which I, I didn't know at the time, but I learned how to do that, well, I started finding all sorts of people like yourself who have the same interest in the things that I'm doing with sewing. When I started to learn a little bit more about how Instagram works, I found the at over 50 account. Mm -hmm. And from there, I started reading Susan Young's blogs and I started participating in some challenges. And then I started listening to this wonderful podcast that you do. That's how I got to here. So I think it's a great community. And it really opened up for me when I started getting featured in the stories. That was really fun. I was like, oh, wow, look, I'm almost a little bit like a celebrity. And I'm in the stories. That's great. And look, at, look who I'm with, all of these other people who are getting featured in the stories, too. Yes. And then I got this direct message one day, unsolicited, from Sandy with this really helpful hint about how to tag others in my stories properly. And I thought, well, you know, that's it, I'm in. And so now Mending Mayhem and the So Over 50 communities are just my go-to places in Instagram. It's really the place where I have found home in Instagram. And all of the Instagram information that we learned from So Over 50 and Mending Mayhem has actually even improved what I do on Instagram. And I know that people keep going back to the podcast that Sandy's done on Instagram. Yeah, I did that just the other day. I looked, I listened to the podcast that Sandy did on hashtags from, from a long time ago. Yeah. And I've learned something. Yeah, they're very good. They've done such a good job for us who are part of the community to stay connected. I can't, I still don't understand how they manage it all with such a large community and it's mm. just continues to keep growing. So I'm thankful and appreciative of them for all of the work that they do. Yes. Always. What thoughts would you like to leave our listeners with about making the most of your resources? I think the most important thing is you have to know and appreciate what you have on hand. Because if you don't, how do you make the most of it? And I'm talking about the inventory of fabric that you have or the stash. You know, the amount of beautiful fabric that you keep stashed away in a bin or in a closet or in a cupboard is really your personal choice. The volume of it is what you feel okay with. I don't know what the right amount is. And, but I know you at least have to 
know how much is there and you have to consider how you're going to use it before you buy another piece. It's really as simple as taking an inventory or even just doing a count. So start simply, this is my recommendation, start simply by counting how many pieces of full width yardage you have on hand. How many do you have? I think you'd be surprised. And when you have that number, consider this. If you had time to sew, say, two garments a month, how long would it take you to get through that stash? You'd be surprised how long it might take. You'll want to start sewing like crazy and get it all done. Mm -hmm. But then you also have to think about what will you do with the leftovers? If you're not always doing zero waste sewing, you have offcuts and you have scraps and you have little bits. What are you going to do with those so they don't end up in the trash? I did this exercise myself about six years ago and I was overwhelmed. I had closets and bins full of fabric and I had boxes of scraps that I'd been hanging on to for years. I had scraps that I had had for 20 years and seven moves ago. Wow. <laughs> and I was completely overwhelmed. And so if you do this exercise and you feel overwhelmed like I did, then the, the key is to always shop your stash first when you want to make something new. And that will help you make the most of what you have on hand. On the other side of the coin, if you do this exercise and you still feel great and you don't feel overwhelmed by your stash and you feel at ease with it, well, then good for you and just carry on. <laughs> That's right. Stay calm and carry on. Keep sewing. I almost said good on you, but I <laughs> why not? Yeah, just carry on. Exactly. Robin, thank you for leaving us with that exercise on how to have a look at what you've got and figure out whether you're overwhelmed or not. I think that's going to be really worthwhile doing. So thank you. You're welcome. And also thank you for telling us about your sewing background, what you've been doing with your sewing of late and the story about the sock monkeys. I know that people <laughs> who follow you on Instagram are going to be looking out for them even more now. Give Norman a shout out. There's Norman. There's Norman. Hey, Norman, thank you for being on the podcast, Norman. He's waving, everybody. Norman the Suck Monkey is waving and blowing kisses at us. Lots of them. Norman's the original. Thank you, Robin. Well, thank you very much, Maria. This was really enjoyable. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode for So Over 50 podcast on So Organised Style to celebrate hashtag Mend March was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Robin, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. There are over 120 free So Over 50 podcasts to listen to. Make sure you go back and listen to our So Over 50 podcast archive, and we hope you'll support us through our Patreon account. Every podcast is free with the aim to keep you company and encourage you to sew more often. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at SoulOrganizedStyle or on our website at www.soulorganizedstyle.com or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.